Morning, everyone. Good morning. Wonderful to be back in uh, Medval. Always enjoy coming down here. And as Lena said, we've been away. A number of us went from the church to the Relational Mission Leaders Conference, which was up in Ipswich the last few days, and it was a, was a brilliant time. Lots of stuff that we heard, but also seeing God move. Different people that were healed, and uh, fantastic to see that, but also reminded me that, I can't remember on what WhatsApp group it was, you lose track of where did I see that message, but um, Rhonda, who most of you will know, um, has been out on an evangelism boot camp for the last three months. She's currently in the last few weeks in uh, Uganda, and uh, she's been sending back some stories of people being healed as well, including someone she prayed for who, who was deaf or blind, I can't remember which, who started seeing or hearing, um, sending back stories of the breaking down in the car on their way to the mission, getting out, lots of locals coming, starting to share the gospel with people there, people responding to the gospel. It sounds like all sorts of glorious gospel chaos going on. So praise God he's on the move and uh, Rhonda's going to be no doubt coming back with like high like octane levels of energy and excitement about what God's doing and who he is so we look forward to that and our prayer of course is that God will keep doing what he does amongst us in Medway isn't it and um, and one one of the things that we read in the gospels is is that we're even in in Israel where Jesus was moving about when he, when he was in his sort of hometown area and they knew who he was, and there, there was unbelief present, it says that he only did a few miracles there. In other words, because there was a kind of, some sort of hardness of heart, um, people didn't perceive their need of him, people were cynical about him, people were over-familiar with him, um, God's power did not touch people as it once could. I mean, maybe that's a bit like what our context is like in the West. People don't perceive their need, do they, all the time? And so there's a hardness, there's an unbelief. So, Lord, would you break that unbelief? Would you soften hearts? Even this morning, Lord, please come and soften our hearts more that we might take your word out, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're carrying on with our amazing series in Mark, going super slow and super careful. It's brilliant actually to preach on because sometimes when we preach, we, we like looking at a whole chapter, some of the series we've done, whereas this is like, oh wow, there's only like five lines. This is excellent, you know, I can really focus in on the main points of the passage. So we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. Chris referred to it helpfully at the beginning as well. To help us get into the, the frame of mind of what we're talking about today, I'd like to ask you for some uh, response. You, you might not want to put your hands up. It's a bit of personal questions I'm going to be asking. I'm so sorry, but this is exactly what we're talking about today. Has anybody ever had a swelling on their body? A rash? Has anyone had a like, white, shiny spot? or outbreaks of spots on their body. Any boils in the room at the moment? Hands down, no, 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 no. Any boils? Um, what about like any sort of mold on your body or on stuff in your house? Anyone had mold on their clothes? Anything like that? Um, this is exactly what we're talking about. And so perhaps today you can think about what it feels like to have uncleanliness, some sort of mould or growth on your body, 
or spots that you're dealing with. Just recently, actually, in the last few months, literally, I had this, this little, you won't be able to see it from there, I've had this little, like, spot thing. I thought it was a spot on my forehead here. And then after about six months, I thought, that's weird, it's still there, what is that? And, and so I thought, I'd better go to the doctors, just check it's not something more sinister. And they, they said, oh, it's probably, it's probably some kind of like pre-cancerous, not cancer, but it's something that's been triggered by the sun. Don't worry, we can give you some cream for that. So I've got this like gel stuff that I have to put on it for about three months and it seems to be taking away. It's just very small, very tiny. Can't see it, it's not barely visible to the human eye, but I knew it was there. But just having something like that, which is ongoing and doesn't go away, makes you feel like slightly like something's not quite right um, and that that's this is a minor thing but imagine if you had something that was in large scale spread over your body and that you you knew probably possibly wasn't going to go away that's what we're dealing with in the story today. let's read these few verses so mark 1 40 to 45 a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, or some translations talk about Jesus was moved with compassion. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out, did the opposite. He began to talk freely, spreading the news, and as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. To get the background to this, because really we've, we've got to get into the, we've got to get into the uncleanliness and the dirtiness of what is going on here to then appreciate, because we know the good news, hopefully you know where this is going, to Jesus, of what Jesus has done and what we find in him. We'll have to go back to Leviticus. So Leviticus 13 and 14, you can turn to it if you like, and we'll, we'll just skim through a few bits. But if you go to Leviticus 13, 14, or get it up on your phones, and you scroll through or flick over, and you look at the detail around what to do if you've got the kinds of things I referred to earlier, um, whether it's spots or rashes or mould. It even talks about when you're starting to go bald and what that might be caused by in there. You know, both encouraging and discouraging stuff going on in there. But Leviticus 13, verse 1, it kicks off with this. So this is instructions for the people of Israel in how to deal with these sorts of things. Lord says to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin, it might be a defiling skin disease. They must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who's a priest. The priest has to examine the sore on the skin and if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, then it's a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he will pronounce them ceremonially unclean. So 
let's come back to my spot thing on my head and you can perhaps think of your own spots and rashes and things. Um, it, we, we'd have to go to the priest. So the equivalent would be, I'd have this thing on my head, I'm thinking to myself, um, it's not like, it's not deeper than skin, it feels like it's skin, it's not affecting my hair follicles. I think I'm all right, but I might think I probably need to go and get it checked out. I might want to hedge my bets like we do today. Oh, there's nothing wrong with me, I don't need a doctor. But I might think I need to play it safe, I better go do the right thing according to the law. So I would go to the priest, he would have a look at, look at me, and hopefully he would say, no, it's okay, you're not. But there's still things I'd have to do even with that, as you would as well. So if we then flick down Leviticus 13 again, but we're now on verse 29 to 37. If a man or woman has a sore on their head or on their chin, don't know why those two places, but presumably it's, you know, just representing the whole body or the whole head. The priest is to examine the sore, and if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it is yellow and thin, the priest will, will announce they are unclean. It is a defiling skin disease on the head or the chin. But if when the priest examines the sore, it doesn't seem to be more than skin deep, yes, you know, it's like, yes, I'm off the hook, yet yeah, almost. Um, and if there's no black hair in it, okay, whatever that's about, then the priest will isolate the person for seven days. So I'd then have to be isolated perhaps for seven days and go off, stay out of the way of everyone completely. And then it says, on the seventh day, the police priest will have a look again at my head. And if it hasn't spread anymore, and there's no yellow hair in it, in other, I suppose that's to do with infection, then, and it doesn't appear to be more than skin deep, then the man or woman must shave themselves, oh no, shave themselves except for the affected area, and the priest is to keep them isolated for another seven days. So we're up to 14 days here, separately, it's a bit like lockdown, and now I'm shaving my head. Um, so this is like quite a lot of detail for something that doesn't turn out to be anything. Then on verse 34, on the seventh day, the second batch of seventh day, the, the priest will examine the sore, and if it's not spread, and it's no more than skim deep, the, the priest shall pronounce them clean. Yes, I'm clean, and, but then I've got to go and wash all my clothes, it says, then I will be clean. But if during that period it does spread a bit, then I'm in big trouble. And then the priest is going to be looking again, and so on, and then I would be pronounced unclean. But what I'm, what I'm looking for here is, is, is cleanliness. So I want you to clock that word, that what it's talking about here is, is whether you're clean or unclean, whether you're clean or dirty. So imagine living in our society today where when you get something wrong in your body, particularly on your skin, but there's other, there's other things as well you can look at in Leviticus, like other bodily problems, bodily fluids, bodily functions, there's a lot of them, that's, that's my point. Imagine that whenever something crops up, you don't just think, what's wrong with me, I'm ill, you're also starting to think, I'm dirty. I might be in this category of being unclean. And in my society, this is a really important thing. Being unclean is bad for all kinds of reasons, as we'll see when we go through this. 
Leviticus 13, um, if we were to flick down to verse 46, this is what, what you have to do, 45 and 46. So if you're unclean, it's quite bad. And so this is what's happening with this person in the story you're reading about, where it talks about leprosy. Anyone with a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone and they must live outside the camp. So if, if, if this thing on my head had spread and it was something else and it, was, it became infected and after 14 days I'm declared unclean, that's what I've got to do. I've got to go outside the camp. In other words, I'm not living inside the walls, think of it as Jerusalem anymore, I'm living out, I can roam about, I can go where I want, but I, I, I have to stay separate from people, and it even says that I've got to look messy, so I can't even look smart, I've got to look like something's wrong with me in terms of my clothing and my hair, and then cover up, you know, you've probably seen it in the, in the films, unclean, unclean, so that people can hear you going hear you coming, and, and some films are like they've rung a bell, haven't they? It's like, so no one can go near you. So if, if you come near me and touch me, then you are unclean. Even if you haven't caught the disease, like unclean, unclean. If I touch you, you're unclean. So not allowed to do that. And th there would be like a paranoia that would creep in. If you got too near, and sometimes even being near wasn't allowed. So in some of the like rabbinic literature, it would say things like, if you're standing somewhere like under a tree and someone walks by you, they're unclean, if they're very near. If the wind is blowing really hard in your direction, that person's uncleanliness is gonna go all over you. So this is like, this makes people feel like a complete outcasts like they they are wrong something about them is wrong and and if you can't get rid of it it's not like they can go to a doctor and just get rid of it in a few weeks with some treatment back then this is like really really depressing this is a painful anguish that you're going to have to go through physically mentally emotionally in all kinds of ways so Leprosy, when it talks about leprosy in the Bible, it's talking about lots of different diseases. So all sorts of skin diseases that are chronic, that's, they come under the, the term leprosy, which is a bit of a catch-all term. But let, the actual leprosy we think of and we're aware of would have been in the mix as well. So there is actually something which is known as Hansen's disease, and this is named after a Norwegian guy who identified this precise type of bacteria in the late 1800s that is associated with the leprosy we associate where it's damaged to, to nerves and infections come in and people start to lose uh, fingers if it spreads, fingers, even chunks of faces and noses. You, perhaps you've seen the picture. <clears throat> the World Health Organization describes it as being progressive today, progressive and less treated, it will leave you with permanent disabilities. The bacteria are transmitted via 
droplets, so via the mouth or nose, during close and frequent contact. We know now that it's not actually this specific type of leprosy as infectious as it once would have been thought of, and, and it's curable. So it's still around today, mostly in Southeast Asia, but the stats for it, it's amazing what, what we've been able to do with medicine using multi-drug therapy. In the 1980s, 5.2 million people were affected with this type of leprosy. And in 2020, it was about 200,000. So medicine is, is, is eradicating it. And some of you have probably seen it or been in places where people have got leprosy. I know when I went to India, uh, a while back, we went to a, a, a colony where people with leprosy lived and, and we went there and a van went there and people would come out from the colony and go into the van, they would be washed, they would get medical treatment and medicine and so on. But we were told, don't, don't panic, you know, when you're near, because there's still, even for us today, in my head it was like, oh, should I go near, like what will happen? So they were, they were very clear to say, it's okay, you can go, you can go near. Um, and it, even if they touched you, don't, don't worry, you're, you're not necessarily going to catch it. They're being treated and some, some, of, some of the people you see, it's actually on its way out or not there. What you're seeing is the after effect, the after infections and the, the damage that it's caused to their body. And so we might think of someone with leprosy, but it, it, it's, re, it's referred to even here in the Bible, you know, pe people would be seen as lepers. So they're actually identified and branded as being infectious. So it's, it's sort of who they are. So as if, the, as if the feeling of being stuck with this thing that you didn't ask for, you didn't do anything necessarily to deserve it, and you're outside the camp, you're, you're then branded, you are a, are a leper. And like, when I was at school, kids would use that as an insult. Even today, you'd like get called that as a name. It's like, oh, don't touch them, because they're the smelly one. And people would use names like that. So the, the stigma around being a, a leper is, 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 is huge, more than we can fully identify with, probably. And you, you just can't, you can't touch people's stuff. You can't, you can't go anywhere near their stuff, otherwise you've infected their whole house. I mean, how, how dirty does, does that feel like? Amazingly, there was provision for them to enter into the synagogue. So as long as they were super separate and there was a screen up, people could still enter in to have some connection with the worship of God. And some, some of the skin conditions or leprosy would go away or would improve and so there was provision as we've read like complex sort of hoops you jump through around being checked rechecked presenting yourself to the priest going away again then washing cleansing yourself so think of all these images of the washing and the cleansing and the going to a priest to find freedom from this infection that is all over you and you can't get rid of it and you're deemed as being unclean. But bear that all in mind, because that's what Leviticus is all about. It teaches us about holiness and purity and uncleanliness and cleanliness. 
and then take all this imagery and now let's start to translate it to us because this, this obviously has bearing on us and on our souls and on what we are infected with. So if you're a Christian, you, you know that you, you came to Christ and you were saved, you were rescued, you were cleansed, you were washed because there was something about you that was unclean and impure. And we, we don't realise how bad we were. So the, the, the stigma of our impurity and what we even carry the, the traits of sometimes, like the old ways, the old flesh, the old ways of doing things, is so, so bad, it's so serious that there was no way of getting back outside of God. We, we were completely tarnished in a way that we just couldn't get rid of our dirt, our guilt, our shame, our sin. If anyone's a dog owner, has anyone got a dog here? One of the things that I hate is that when you're out on a walk and you have to use one of these, and then, depending on where you buy these things from, some of them are, are thicker than others. So some of them like, are pretty good. Like, when you're a dog owner, you rate dog bags. Um, some of them have a smell to them. I'm not a fan of the fragrance one. Bit weird, poo mixed with some sort of flowery smell. Doesn't work for me, but I like a nice thick dog bag. So in our house, Convo will be, please don't buy those ones. They're so naff, you have to double them up. They're hard to pick apart. It's a nice thick dog bag because you've got to go down, pick up this thing get it up, it's grim as it is, let's make it as pleasant and quick as it possibly can be. But sometimes, with a thin bag, especially if it's in the winter, you're scrabbling about in twigs and it splits, and your finger, you realise it's gone through it after you've wrapped it, and it's like, oh! And then you wrap this thing up, and then you're out, like, away from home, you've got to get back into the car and get all the way home, knowing that you've been infected with this thing so you're like mm, ooh. so you're trying to wipe it on grass you might have tissue with you some people might have sanitizer I don't carry sanitizer but you're away from water to washing that's the point even a wash with a with a drinking bottle doesn't quite do it and I really hate that some of you will be relaxed with that kind of thing others of you will be like that's why I would never have a dog I just couldn't live with that but all the way home, and if you're on a walk where you've got to walk back for another like half an hour, there's an awareness. I just have an awareness that this hand is unclean. That's what I feel like. like I've wiped it off. But every like sort of 10 minutes, I can't help but go, no, it's still there. No, it's still there. And, then, and it's like, get all the way back to the car. Don't touch the steering wheel with that bit because then the steering wheel's infected. Do you know what I mean? Get the key out with the other, don't, because anything you touch is infected. That, that must be something of what the mentality would have been like for that, those that have got some kind of skin disease. When we come to Christ, we have to understand that that's what we're like. Like, everywhere we go, we don't know it. Everyone we touch, we're all infected with this same condition but we're so used to it sometimes not till you come to Christ that you start to become aware of what's really going on you don't always notice or you think it's okay so many of us would have spent years wandering about in the world stinking 
and just spreading it all, all over the place. We, we were used to our own uncleanliness and didn't give it much thought. <clears throat> a few weeks ago when we had our all together, I was talking about how the scripture talks about sin as being something that we do. In other words, it's a verb, but also it's something that we're under the power of. It's a noun as well. So there are personal sins that we live out and we act, we act in unclean ways, but there's also a power or a dominion which is like sin without the S. And so the Bible talks about all of us in Romans 5.21 as being under the realm of sin and death, or Romans 8 verse 2, under the law of sin and death. So there's something about it being a power. Romans 3 verse 9 says that all of us were under the, the power of sin. So this is before we've even lived it out or acted on it till it's become a verb, a doing word in our life. All of us collectively live under this domain or this realm. 1 Corinthians 5.22, in Adam all die, and we know the good news is that in Christ all live, but this is, this is bringing up two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, kingdom of death, kingdom of life. So there's, there's a power, there's a domain that we're literally born into. Psalm 51 verse 5, the psalmist there says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So the acting out of sin, the verb, doesn't happen until you've been alive for a bit. And then eventually you might get to three months, six months, I don't know, how do you know? But certainly by the time everyone's about six, they've done a sin, haven't they? In, in word or in deed, and then on and on we go. But we are born into this realm, into this domain, and it's like a contagion. So think of the infectious aspect of what we're looking at today. Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, it's talking about in Genesis, entered into the world through sin, and in this way, death came. Some translations, like the ESV, use the word spread. Death spread to all because all sin. So what it's saying is that even if you think you've done nothing wrong, even if you happen to be someone that never sinned, of which there is no person, you would have still been born into a domain, a realm, or power where you're infected with it as a smell. You're still defined as being unclean. And because you're in that domain and realm, you act out because you are a vessel, you are a tool. One theologian put it like this. This is Philip Ziegler in 2012 in one of his books. He says this, he says, to be lorded over by sin is to have been engaged to be its representative, to be its member, its tool, its part, in our very existence, we are exponents of a power which transforms the cosmos into chaos. So our lives actually make the case for the power that possesses us and in whose service we are enrolled. So your lives 
argue the case that there is a domain or a realm, that's the point. You look at the world, people prove to you that they're under the domain or the power of the realm, the infection of something greater than they can deal with by what they do. We only need to look at the news, don't we, at the moment? It's chaos everywhere. There's all sorts of stuff going on. This is the domain of sin that we live in. So rabbis, in their writings, would say it's as difficult to cleanse a leper as it is to raise the dead. If you've got an incurable skin disease, you are stuffed. And, and you could literally see it taking over a person's body. If you've seen the worst types, uh, bodily parts erode away, don't they, and drop off. Imagine that. How do you get that out? How do you get that out of you? You can't. So raise the dead, tricky. Get that out of a person, equally tricky. Don't know how you do it. You need some sort of divine help to do that. So the Old Testament and books like Leviticus are teaching us that that is what sin is like. That is, that is, sin is worse than leprosy. The, the infection that we're all under is worse than the skin effects of something like leprosy. Luke 7.22, when John the Baptist is on the scene, he sends some of his disciples and says, go and see Jesus, go and ask him, what's going on, Are you, is this really you, the Messiah? And it says they come back with the words from Jesus, Luke 7.22, he says, go back, report to John what you've seen, what you've heard, and tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So the healing of leprosy was a key part, it was a key sign of the Messiah and the coming kingdom. So in the Old Testament, leprosy was one of those things that was horror, horror, horror. And so a sign of a coming kingdom, a new kingdom of some messiah, some kind of saviour, some king who was going to eradicate and deal with that. This, this is something divine. This is a, of another world, of another kingdom. And G, when Jesus comes, he starts healing lepers. Lepers. I mean, healing blind eyes is amazing, but imagine being a leper and outside the camp, knowing that you're dirty, you can't even touch people or get near them. Jesus comes and he's filled with, says verse 41, compassion. He's indignant. He's, he reacts against the, the offence of what leprosy as a disease does to people physically, but what it also does to them spiritually and emotionally and setting them outside the stigma of it. He reacts against it and he says, I'm, I'm with, I am willing, I'm willing, and he touches it. So he goes against it, he goes towards it. He does what you shouldn't do, what you don't do, what everybody else would avoid, and he moves and he touches 
and he brings in the healing power, the cleanliness, like the saving, rescuing, superior power starts to go through an actual body to bring healing to that kind of disformity. I mean, what, what kind of healing could that have been like? If, if this was a serious condition of actual what we talk about as leprosy today, could it have been that, that there were fingers that grew back? At absolute minimum, it was, it was like huge patches on people's bodies. And so as he touched them, they would have started to have disappeared. And imagine if you'd been living with that for years and years, and then suddenly you're, you're feeling your skin is, is becoming clean and clear and pure. Hallelujah. So Jesus touches the condition, overturns it. He, he enters into what that condition represents completely and fully. You may be aware that on the cross, it was outside the camp, wasn't it? And, and when Jesus entered into impurity and uncleanliness, he entered into it fully. So if you, you want to look for something that is the epitome of of dirt and a stigma and shame and guilt and filthiness, the cross would be it because that's where you would dehumanise someone. That's where someone was completely unworthy, where they were shamed, where they were mocked, where they were naked, where they were hung because they weren't worthy of a better death. They were left to their own death. They, didn't, they had to kill themselves because it was dependent on their ability to breathe not really worthy to be put out of their misery, mocked, cast aside, not of the same species. So Jesus entered into that, and the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin, so he became the dirt and the filth and the uncleanliness, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, we might become clean. So we have an amazing saviour that entered right into it. So when he cleansed the leper, when he touched that leper, it was a sign that that's what's coming. So the physical was amazing for the leper, but it was still only a signpost to say, this is about the good news of the gospel. This is the coming kingdom. This is proof that the kingdom has come and that this is going to be like an, almost like you're infected with a new life is going to come into you, into your soul, and is going to move you from death to life, from being unclean to clean in a way that no one else can do other than God Himself. Acts ten fifteen is when Peter has his vision of the Gentiles. Do you remember that? Some of you would have read that story. And again, there. Peter had a bit of an issue. They had an issue, didn't they? Because it's Gentiles and they were what? Unclean. And so this was a barrier that he, they couldn't get over in their heads. But in the dream, God is saying in the vision that they are clean. That was the message. Think of them now as clean. I'm changing the rules. I'm changing the perspective because Christ has come. Ephesians 5, 4-5 God, who is rich in mercy 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive. By grace you've been saved. So the, the imagery of infection, of having something you can't get rid of, of death, they all go together. They like overlap. They're different kinds of imagery that all point to the same thing. Unless there's an outside force that comes in to deal with this other outside force, the, the domain, the realm, the power, the kingdom that you're in. There's another superior force deals with that independently of you. You're stuck where you are. And that's what we find has happened in Jesus Christ. Amazing news. One of the sad effects of leprosy is because it's nerve damage, because it erodes extremities of the body, that people are losing proper feeling, aren't they? And that's part of the infection, I think, where damage can come to parts of the body, but you can't feel it properly as well. And so it's like you're kind of getting eaten. And then that leads to more infection and damage and pain is supposed to make us seek out help so if you if you lose pain if you become so numb in this world whether it's physically you don't know that you need help because you didn't know you'd cut yourself you could delay if you delay infection sets in if infection sets in you delay it can spread but this is the condition that many are in maybe even here today where we are where we're numb, where we we don't seek help or we don't go to the right place or you don't know that you're damaged and so damage sets in further and further and further. So pain is something C.S. Lewis described it as being God's mouthpiece to the world. So pain's something we want to avoid and get around but pain in this world is inevitable we're going to face it, we're going to hit it, we're going to go through things that create some kind of pain and discomfort, but where do we go with it? Do we, do we go like the man who had leprosy to Jesus to say, help me with this, may, may I receive more of your healing, cleansing, empowering touch, God? Maybe you're, you're not a Christian, you've not given your life to God, and so you might feel like you're, you're sitting in pain or even in numbness, you don't feel a lot because there's, there's pain that's deep and it's been covered up. But it could be today, Jesus is saying, look, I'm here, you come to me, reach out to me, allow me to touch you, to begin to bring healing into those deep areas where the infection has set in. Because we live in a world where we've experienced all kinds of things that have touched us and left us feeling unclean or guilty or ashamed. And for many of us, if we think back over our lives, you would have had experiences that have left you feeling in some way unclean or dirty, if you ever felt like that. And so think back perhaps to some to your past life, to where you were. There might have been things that happened to you or things that you did where it left you feeling unclean. And sometimes people have said things like, after that happened, or after I did that, I went and had a shower. I was scrubbing myself. But it was like I couldn't get rid of this feeling of dirtiness in some kind of way. And this is the world that we live in. So unless there's a superior power 
that comes in to bring cleanliness, this kind of stuff is going to keep getting on us. You go to work tomorrow, you go to school, you go to university, you go into a period where you're dipping down your thoughts, the depression compressing, you find that suddenly this, this uncleanliness is coming back on you, in your thoughts, in the things you do, the people that you're with, like you're slipping down into a pit and it just feels like dark, like you can't quite find your way out of it again. This morning Mel was mentioning about the miry pit. So we've, we have been lifted out in Christ if we're a Christian, but we can slip back into our old ways and habits like almost like the, the, the reminders, the wounds, the pains, the ways of doing things that pull us back down into what Christ has lifted us up from. So today, the good news is that you can go to a great high priest who knows this, who sympathises with you. Jesus said to the man, go and show yourself to the priest. He didn't say, you're clean, done, off you go. He said, I heal you, be clean, but you need to go to the priest so he can declare you clean. You can go through their little regime. You can then move fully into your freedom in the community, knowing that you've fulfilled the law. And this would have been a testimony to the kingdom that the man would have said, I've been healed by this man. And the priest would have had to have said, yes, I declare you clean. So it would be like an endorsement. He didn't do it. It's like he, did, he disobeyed. He received, he received the healing, he received the touch, but yet he disobeyed. So sometimes we receive a touch from God. We're saved, we're cleansed, but you disobey him. You didn't want to get baptised. You didn't want to go through the washing of the waters. Sometimes people don't get baptised for years, for whatever reason. Jesus said, receive Believe, be cleansed, go and be baptised. We can baptise you, maybe even next week. We've got our all together at Mid-Kent College. If not, maybe the time after. So it starts with baptism, but then it goes on into a life of obedience. If you don't obey what Christ says, then you're not walking into the cleanliness and the healing and the new life that he's offering you that he's given, that he's bought, that he's paid for. We have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven. This is Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, you can approach him. So we don't need to go to any other kind of priest. He, he now has that role as well in heaven. So we come to him for our healing. He is the priest who also declares us healed and valid and clean and part of society and welcomes us in, and, he, and he's not harsh or mean or bitter. He's very, very kind. He sympathises. He knows what this world is like because he's walked in it, he's lived in it, and he's gone right down to the lowest point in it as he himself became sin and took on the rejection and the mockery and the outsideness of the camp and the dehumanisation and the being shamed and, and made guilty, even though he was completely innocent. And so our hope and my prayer this morning is, is what, what Paul would pray. It's the kind of stuff he prays at the beginning of Ephesians, isn't it? That our eyes be opened and enlightened to what Jesus has done and to who he is. That if your eyes are enlightened to how bad 
your situation was, or maybe still is, or what you've been saved out of and you need to keep walking out from, throwing off the old ways. If you know how unclean you were, that's a good thing. None of us should say, oh no, I don't like the thought of being like a split dog poo bag and infected and it's all weird. This is trying to show us how bad it is. We should, we should think on it, meditate on it, be so disturbed by it because we've been pointed to Christ, then we rejoice in it. We celebrate in it. So we pray that we might be enlightened to the great power of Jesus for us who believe this is Ephesians 1 because it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Hard to raise the dead, hard to cleanse a leper. The dead has been raised and the lepers have been cleansed. It's already happened. Happened. The same power is exerted in Christ, now works in us. Jesus, who is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every other rule, authority, power and dominion and every name in this present age and the next. In other words, the old dominion and realm and power of sin and law and death and infection, Jesus rules over that. He's trumped it. He's removed its power. He's pulled the rug out from under its feet. He's put a new superior power into it that is spreading like yeast and saving and catching people up in it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11, you were washed you were sanctified. So it's the imagery of we've gone to the priest. We've been cleansed. Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us not because of our own deeds that we've done, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. And then we go on obeying the Bible. Ephesians 5 26. We are sanctified, the church, believers are sanctified, having been cleansed by the washing of water with the word. So the power of the word, the power of the spirit, the moving through the waters of baptisms, it's, it's all cleaning us, isn't it? It's cleaning us in a way that a bath can't clean us. Amazing that we can come and, and find a cleansing, like a bath for our souls. This is what... Jesus does. He's done it for you. He's done it for me. He can do it for you this morning if you've not responded to him. He knows the things that have infected you, affected you, burdened you. Today, they can be lifted and washed again in his word and by the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's respond. I'm going to stop there. Maybe we can have a, a short time just to maybe pray and should we have a song? Yeah, is that right? Should we do that? So let's, let's come to him today. This is such an amazing story. It points us to Jesus' saving power and his reality today that whatever you're carrying, whatever is kind of burdening you, whatever has maybe infected your thoughts, you can come to him today. Come and ask. Come and say, Lord, if you're willing, touch me, heal me, free me, release me. Come, Lord. So let's, let's worship. Why don't we stand together if we're able? And uh, let's just press into him for a few moments. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided a way. Thank you that we are those that have 
been cleansed, been washed, been set free. Lord, if we've, if we've not this morning, we're coming to you and asking. So if you've not done that, or if you're not sure you've done that, then ask him now, Lord, are you willing? He says, yes, I am willing. He's moved with compassion. Lord, will you heal me? Lord, will you forgive me? Lord, will you cleanse me? Lord, will you lift off from me every burden of guilt and shame and uncleanliness? May I be infected with a new divine power that's going to permeate my soul, my spirit, my mind, my body. I choose you. I choose your word, Lord. I want to be washed by your word. I want to be washed, Lord, as I follow you, as I obey you, Lord. I give my life to you again today, Lord. Help me, the things that have come on, that have started to pull me down into darkness, into a pit, the areas where I feel somehow dirtied by. Lord, I bring them to you. I confess them to you today. Say, help me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness, as you've promised to do as I confess my sin to you. Fill me this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fill my brothers and sisters, Lord, together here today as a, as a church. May we be strengthened in your word. May we have our eyes opened, enlightened to the amazing grace and kindness that you've poured out for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship, and then if you want to pray or respond, then uh, perhaps afterwards, those of, who are on prayer team or come and talk to me, and uh, let's stand with one another for a few moments if you know that there's other stuff you need to just be alongside someone. Sometimes good to do that so others can pray with you and affirm the goodness and love of God in your life. Let's worship.